You are listening to episode 267 of Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we make it our mission to kill Quake, that fast-working bastard, in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So if you didn't get the reference, we played some Quake this week. Uh, Ryan actually played it on the Xbox, and I played it on the N64. Uh, so I guess we could talk about the, the differences there and our thoughts on the game in general. Uh, but first, you can find us on thegamedeflators.com, our currently out-of-date website. You can find us on social media, at Game Deflators on X, at The Game Deflators on Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube, so search for any videos that we have on there, older podcast episodes, and you're listening to a podcast on a podcast application, most likely, go ahead and leave us a five-star review, follow us, like, subscribe, all the good stuff, definitely would appreciate it. Let's dive into our current pickups, or week recent pickups. Uh, I had nothing outside of, well, magic cards, because yeah. that's, that's what I buy. Magic I've cards. got some magic cards for you, John. I, I guess, I mean, well, no, I think we already did our Christmas pickups technically, right? um I no mean, we didn't we talk actually. about what we got because that would have been no because we recorded the 23rd yeah and then we yeah what, yeah so christmas, we talked john yeah christmas is good so um as far as pickups i got like a lord of the rings illustrated copy so i guess i do have pickups this week uh so, so it's pretty cool i got like all three books and it's just like an illustrated version of like tolkien pictures and art that's inside of it nice um i got no magic cards. I got some magic sleeves, a uh, nice little Lego set, uh, and then a couple which one? board. Um, just one of the Mario ones. Okay. I don't remember which. I don't know the name of it offhand. It's like the seesaw looking thing. So it's not um, really for you, anyways. It's for my son. Not down until the road. Oliver's old enough. Yeah, we add it to the pile, and he gets it down the road. Uh, no video games actually. Uh, so Dang. surprise, surprise. Wow. Yep. I did get some board games, though. So I got uh, one called Arboretum. It's like a card game. Okay. So be checking that out. And then I got uh, Dungeon Mayhem, which is I think you've played it before um, where you have like it's a card game, essentially. And you have like different creatures in this case, like well, different classes for some of them. Then they release a new one, which is what I have that takes places monsters and you have like different abilities and things you could play certain cards in your hand and the goal is to do damage to a person either on your left or your right mm -hmm. um and just kind of take them out of a game and it's last man standing essentially uh so i got that and that was the big stuff how about yourself uh i did get uh pocky and rocky reshrine nice for switch that was the only game i got um gaming adjacent i did get that big uh plush cubone so that was something i really wanted uh, and that's the target one right that i was telling you about yeah yeah exactly yeah. the one that, that thing's nice me. yeah it was great uh what else did i get that was fun got some new headphones got um I don't know. That's that's most of the big stuff. Like I got some other, you know, yeah, everybody gets clothes. I got like a new pillow. Not too much gaming stuff. Um things that I did do this week though, um, 
my favorite YouTuber, Noah Caldwell-Gervais, came out with a new giant video outlining um, Quake, the whole series. So that's what kind of inspired Quake this week for me. Uh, I picked it up and I just started playing through it. And I've never really played like a lot of old shooters. I don't really know what the first shooter I probably played was. But I mean, if I had to wager a guess, it was probably like Medal of Honor on the PlayStation or something like that. So I missed all those early PC shooters. So it was fun. Last year, I went back and played some Doom. So going back and playing some Quake this week. Uh, and then obviously Pikmin. It is the end of the year. I know that everybody's been, you know, biting their their uh, lips and sitting on the edge of their chairs waiting for Ryan to talk about his new game's resolution and how it went. Well, guess what, folks? I'm not done yet. Oh, my God. I know. I've got uh, one more part left and six more days. Uh, so I'm like way ahead of schedule. I just have to do basically like the final challenge level. So I'll get that done as soon as we're done with the podcast and send John a picture. Oh, no, it has to go on social media. Okay, yeah. It's got to go on Twitter. It has to be like time stamped and everything. Yeah, I'll I'll post it. So you'll you'll know that it's done. But uh, I don't know. I'm even going to need like a thumbs up in front of a TV, like just 100 percent preview and just like rip it offline. Me and like the today's paper. Yeah, like I would not be we'll surprised. give you the memory card back when we're done. <laughs> That's also true, and it should have a date. Um, but, I mean, you could technically change the time now and be like, oh, I finished it four days ago. Well, or um, I can, I mean, I can basically already just say that I'm done because you don't need the last, you don't need all the ship parts. Like, I could have stopped at, I think, like 12 parts or something. Oh, uh, see, no, I, I think on this podcast, we know better. We know that we need some sort of visual proof. Well, like this- I, this is as far as Ryan usually would finish a game. Like I've done everything in the game except for the very last thing. This is usually the perfect time to put that game on the shelf and tell yourself that you'll go back to it one day, <laughs> one day and it'll never happen again. Now I think we're going to need like timestamp your name on a piece of paper of the date and all of that and kind of putting it up to be like, Hey, look what I did type of thing. Uh, and when we got to make sure of it, it's on the memory card. Like there's, we need some like, some sources and proof here uh, that this actually happened because yeah. I just know you're going to, you're going to somehow you'll go to great lengths to download Photoshop and take a video off YouTube and screen cap it and somehow put it on your that's, TV. That's and, too much computer stuff for me. Uh, you would, you would do it just to, I just to spite us on this podcast and then have to play blues clues in its entirety. Blues clues was great. Okay. okay then, and on. so was Mrs. T. Blue so I don't know. We'd have to find another crappy game challenge in that case. Speaking of which, we probably should do one of those one of these days. A new crappy I'm game done. challenge. Anyways. What's so, that? Pikmin. Oh, go go on. Go on. Go, talk Pikmin. Pikmin is a fine game. Uh, I think it's one of those games that I never played for the same reason that I have been not really that into it this last week. Like, I definitely picked it up and, like, put another two days into it. And then just shelved it because I was like, eh, I've got like a few hours left to play. I'll get it done before the end of the year. No biggie. But like as I've been like sitting there and it's like, okay, I failed this day. So I need to start over from my last save. So, I mean, each day is only like 15 minutes or something like that. But it's like, okay, I'm on a clock. I got to redo this 15 minutes over again. Or I could have done this 15 minutes better. But I mean at the end of it like 
just kind of like lightly looking at a guide just for like a couple of things. I mean, it's been pretty easy to put together. I mean, the management sim of it and kind of like the stress of having to like pull the Pikmin around and make sure that you're doing everything right. Like it's definitely a fine game type. It's just really not my game type. And being on that time limit isn't really something that I enjoy. So I think that this is definitely one of those ones that I'm glad that I did finally play it and I see why people like it, but I definitely won't really be going farther into uh, the Pikmin games probably. And I know they get rid of the time limit and they add a bunch more stuff, but just like, it's not for me. I just, I don't want to have to be managing all that stuff all at once by the end of the day. <laughs> Makes sense. I mean, yeah. there's games that like, it, it kind of goes into my whole Zelda uh, resolution I had last year, right? It's it's a good game. I can see why people like it. Not for me. I'm mm -hmm. not a big fan of it. Yeah. But the funny thing is, when I go into our discussion later about new games resolutions, I'm going to be playing a Zelda clone, actually. So we'll go well, into that I mean, a bit. That's, that's all I had to talk about that, that I played. All right, well. I uh, played some Tales of Symphonia, uh, continued my quest on that. Um, so as far as where I got, um, I got to this cave where there's like a skull, a flaming skull, and it turns into something and it beats the shit out of you. Um, did not beat it, uh, but I got the item that was there. And then there was this person that came out that was an assassin uh, that tried to kill us, essentially. And she went off. And then now we're trying to go find a boat on one of the like one of the coastal towns to go to, I think it's Palm Costa is if I recall correctly. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of where I'm at in the game. I'm like level 13, 14. I've gotten a lot more used to the combat. I think that was my big struggle at first. So I've gotten to a point now where combat, it doesn't, I mean, it feels repetitive to be honest. So I might start changing characters just to kind of freshen things up a bit. Mm -hmm. um but i mean i'm doing when i do the combat i'm doing the combat purely for level grinding in an rpg i'm trying to enjoy the story for what it is and so far i am actually enjoying the story so that's good um so yeah not too much on that but i'll continue playing that here uh pretty soon um we did uh start and beat a game though my wife and i so sure. we did play mario wonder right we finished uh -huh. that and then we decided to pick up chia okay so the one it's T-C-H-I-A. I saw uh, that on there. So you start and finish that? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty we started cool it. We started it after the podcast. Uh, the last podcast record. No, we started on Monday, actually. So we started on Monday and then we beat it today. Like just before we started recording, like literally 15 minutes ago. Oh, wow. 20 minutes so ago. Pretty yeah. short game. Uh, it's about seven or eight hours. So about the length of Pikmin. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of sad uh, if you think about it. So we no, just, it's we not just sad not. at all. I mean, you know what? Some games just aren't that long, John. Like Pikmin. Um, so the game itself, I mean, it's got decent reviews, right? It's got like 8.5 to 9.5. I think it won the game awards for game impact. Right. And I mean, it's super, super short. Like, honestly, I think it's technically like an eight hour game, but we finished it in a much faster pace. I think, mm -hmm. um, the premise of the story is you have this girl named Chia who lives on this island and uh, it takes place in a fictional archipelago of New Caledonia, which New Caledonia is like one of the in the top 20 richest nations in the world. They have like all the, you know, they have the most mines, I think, for nickel like in the world. 
um and it's like a french uh it's like a french territory or something off the coast of like australia uh so very much like that you know pacific islander type of vibe going for it um you know it's the art style for the game is definitely indie it's that i'm trying to think the right it kind of reminded me of um what's that game where you go back in time and you play as a girl and you can kind of manipulate time and stuff i forget what it's called i don't know it's a squaresoft game or square enix game either way i can't artwork of the game is decent i mean you can look it up and you'll see what i'm talking about it's like that definitely that indie style Mm -hmm. um it is kind of buggy I will say um, it definitely has some bugs in it when we're playing. Like there's points where you play with your ukulele and such and bugs are kind of happening when you're playing or like character singing just kind of stutters for a moment. So it's got its bugs. Uh, but the overall premise is you play this girl named Chia. You're in this archipelago island. Um, your dad gets captured and you don't know why. Uh, it turns out that there's this uh creature from the underworld named Mayavora, I think is the name of the creature that lives in the main capital. And your goal initially is like, okay, I'm going to go talk to this guy, this underworld creature who controls everything. And I'm going to try and get my dad back. Right. So she gets an audience. You go to this Island, you get all these, you know, things that you need to be able to get an audience with Mayavora. You go up there, he sees you and says, Oh, you're the girl that we're trying to capture. Cause you have this special power that allows you to put your soul into like soul jump, basically into mm-hmm. animals and objects and other things of that nature. Um, and so you end up going off and disappearing and then you, it turns out you're with your mom essentially and your grandma. Um, and you create this plan to try and go back to Mayovora, right. And get this audience or not, not audience, but like go back essentially um to handle him um through that whole process you end up like destroying three factories like this is how short it is like i'm literally giving you the entirety of its plot you go find three factories destroy the factories get them to where they're not usable anymore uh get it to where um all of the people that he's captured within one of these factories can escape they end up not escaping he ends up eating all of them essentially and then as you learn more about the story it's just like this evil dude who happens to live in the archipelago um, sacrificed a child to Mayavora, who was a woodworm at the time, and you know basically started eating babies to take their powers. <laughs> like it's kind of crazy. Uh, so he starts eating people and babies to take their powers, oh, and gosh. you make your way after destroying these uh, factories, make your way back to Mayavora, get sucked up by him, kill him internally, and then everybody lives happily ever after. Like. That's pretty much the premise. Like I get the whole game for impact. So like from a story perspective, game was fantastic. Um, Definitely liked the story, like how everything kind of panned out super short. So I do kind of like that aspect. They have a lot going for it in terms of like what you can do. So like you could sail around, you can find treasure, you can um, do like rock stacking and carving and gliding around and all these different things. Right. Um, there's a lot of little side quest stuff you can do after you beat the game. You can actually go to like the evil dude that sacrificed the baby initially remnants of his like soldiers are still around. So you can kind of continue to go through the world and clean that up. So there's a lot of exploring things like that. I think they compared it to kind of like Zelda actually with a lot of the, you know, going around and questathon basically, or not questathon. What is it called when it's, uh, when you're just searching for items? fetch questing whatever it's called 
Oh, like a collectathon? Collectathon. There you go. Yeah, it kind of feels like a collectathon at times. Um, I'm probably not doing it the justice that it deserves, but I mean, the reason for that is outside of that little bit of story, to me, it just, it, yes, there's a lot of things you could do, but the things that you do, do they add depth to the story and things that are happening? Or is it just more collectathon and type of collectathon? And the answer for me was, it's just more collectathon. It doesn't enhance the story in any way. It doesn't make things better by going through and doing all of these side quests where in some games, when you do a side quest, there's little side stories, things open up and it becomes its own thing. This was very much like point A to point B to point C type of deal mm-hmm. just to get to the end result. And if you wanted to do stuff on the side, you could. So combined with like the gameplay being kind of clunky at times and you know, the story was good, but it does have its bugs. It's got other things going for it. I will say that the audio, I'm not a big fan of the fact that, yes, they use a native language, which is kind of cool to kind of stick to that. Like they use the New Caledonia language. What I don't like is that that's the language. So you have to read subtitles in its entirety. There's no English voice acting. So that kind of sucks if you want to look towards that and have a game where you don't have to like sit back and actually read the whole time. The other downside to that is when they had the musical scenes, if you want to actually play the ukulele in those scenes, they're singing. You don't understand the singing because you have to play the ukulele, so you can't read what the lyrics are. And those lyrics actually tell parts of the story, in a sense, as to what's happening. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, is a negative, right? So I, I can't multitask in that, in that type of way um, to, to have a positive impact on my gameplay. So end of the day, I think it's more like a 7 out of 10 you know it, it's not my favorite game i kind of wish i would have waited for re- well no i don't want to wish until reviews were out because everybody rated like an 8.5 to a 9 for impact which is cool i get that piece but there's a lot of aspects i wish i knew before i bought this game and i kind of wish i would have gotten on sale yeah because this was a day one purchase for me oh, i've been really yeah, excited to play happen it. very often it, it doesn't i mean i was really excited to play this game and i think that there are some glaring issues that um that I wish were addressed in advance, mainly to bugs uh, that would happen. Um, and those bugs actually kind of screwed me over several times. Like in the ukulele stuff in particular, there were several times where I got 99%. And the reason I got 99% is because the game glitched on me mm-hmm. in the middle of ukulele play. So like if you want to do certain things and get certain items, you have to do ukulele play, but it's going to glitch on you in the process. Like it was kind of weird. Um, yeah. Not my favorite game, but I'm glad I played it overall. The story was pretty cool. Like my wife also commented and said, you know, it started off really slow story wise, but it picked up at the end. We're both really happy we played it, but we're also both happy it's done at the same time. So uh, those were my two games. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds like uh, both of us kind of ending off the year on, you know, hey, at least we got it finished games, right? Yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah. So the next game we're going to play, we'll probably start it after you and I record here or we'll start it tomorrow is going to be Tiny Tina's Wonderland. Oh, interesting. Have yeah. you guys played Borderlands? No, okay. we have not. But as far as I know, that was like a side quest type of thing. And now it's become its own game. So we're kind of excited for that. I'm sure it'll open up with some sort of background as to what the hell's actually happening. So I'm looking. I mean, that. it won't really matter. And I mean, any jokes that you don't get won't matter either you'll be fine yeah it's just like a looter shooter gotcha but tiny tina Mm -hmm. basically 
and dragons and other stuff apparently yeah, it's like D D kind of themed yeah that's why i got it for my wife because she likes D D and such as well so i figured it'd be a good game for you know her to play and for both of us to play really so it should be pretty exciting so i'm looking forward to talking about that game nice um well i mean obviously we ended the year on kind of a at least we got it done note but let's uh, talk about how we're going to start the year and uh, it's time for new games resolutions i'm assuming that you picked yours yes so i was kind of going back and forth for a while this year trying to decide what the best game for next year would be i mean i haven't always chosen games that i've been like super thrilled with so i want to go with one that i think i've got a pretty good chance of actually really liking um kind of writing on the energy of how much i really enjoyed sea of stars i want to go with another indie game that is based off of kind of inspirationally uh some games that i really enjoy so i'm going to play bug fables bug fables is very paper mario-esque and is kind of a spiritual successor to those original rpg style paper mario games and with the thousand year door remake coming out this year i figure what better time to play something else that i can compare that against so i think i'll try to get bug fables done before mario comes out and then when thousand year door comes out i will play that and i'll be like oh hey you know let's see how good this modernized you know take on it was versus you know somebody else's modernized take on it nice so i went back and forth with a lot of titles that i could have played um I was thinking Okage Shadow King. That was on my list as a possible. Kind of wondered about the dot hack games. Um, Sukaden 3 popped up as well as a possibility. And I mean, you kind of see the theme here, right? It's RPG so far. Ultimately, I landed on Alundra on the uh, PlayStation 1. Alundra. Alundra. So I'll give you a quick... that one. What's that? Not familiar with that one. So this one actually... um, has pretty decent reviews for an RPG. I mean, we're talking 8.6, 9 out of 10, 9 out of 10 from different places. Uh, Game Pro, uh, best role-playing game uh, ever. It got second place in that. Uh, It was a runner-up for EGM on role-playing game of the year. Um, Number six in Metacritic for PS1 games in 1997. I mean, we're talking, you know, review periods where some of the best RPGs were released, right? So game only sold around 100,000 copies um, back when it was released. But uh, just in terms of the overall uh, plot, right? So it says the game's protagonist is a young man named Alundra who learns that he has the power to enter people's dreams. He is shipwrecked on an island near the village of Inoa where locals have been suffering recurring nightmares that sometimes cause death. With his dreamwalking ability, Alundra proceeds to help the locals. The narrative becomes gradually darker and more twisted as the game progresses, dealing with mature themes such as death, clinical depression, fate, religion, and the essence of human existence. So, says that it's got uh, some extensive exploration of the island, various dungeons, and an emphasis on puzzle solving. It's got real-time combat and platforming. So, uh, it's often, from what I've read, it's often been compared to, you know, being a Zelda clone essentially mm-hmm. so i'm kind of excited for like it's an rpg but it's an action rpg right on the ps1 um 
it's got a great story tied to it from what I've read. Uh, it's 31 hours, I think, maybe up to 40. So should be kind of right in that realm of, you know, a few months to play it, um, just given my situation here at the house. And we'll see. I'm I'm pretty stoked, man. It's one of those games that I picked up off of a whim. Probably back in 2010, I got this game. So I picked this up for like, I think it was $15 at the time on eBay. I was just okay. on this like binge of like, let me just buy every PS1 RPG I can afford while I'm still a poor college student, even though I shouldn't mm -hmm. be buying them. Yeah. And this was one of them. And I'm happy I did because it's like a hundred something bucks now I think nice. for a complete box copy. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I mean, that's just kind of like how different the market is now, too. Like, I mean, back then you probably were able to, you know, not everybody was looking for that kind of stuff. Like no, that. I mean, no, nobody really was back then as far. I mean, people were, but it wasn't to the same extent. Like there's games that were 150, 200 bucks back then, like Sukaden, for example, has always kind of maintained that price point. But a lot of these other titles like Beyond the Beyond uh, is another one I picked up for like 10 or 12 bucks when I worked at the game shop and, uh, and managed it. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things that like as games were kind of making their way in front of me and I saw them, I would I would buy them just because I could. Right. I shouldn't have. I should have been saving my money. But at the same time, I'm glad I did because uh, now I don't have to spend, you know, 50 bucks, 70 hundred dollars here and there to play certain games or, you know, I got to emulate them. And I'm not really a big fan of playing emulated titles, especially RPGs, uh, just given the negative things that can happen. Um you know, with software like that and it's just kind of going away. Whereas, you know, with a PS1 RPG, I've got multiple ways that I could save that data. And uh, I think it's a little more positive to do it that way. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So did you have any other games that you were thinking of or did um, that just kind of like. So like a couple other things that I was thinking about this year was maybe trying to take a look at uh something that i'd never really mess around with before at all which is something like splinter cell oh that would have uh, been cool you know or like siphon filter stealth action kind of game uh, i know that splinter cell has like a long history i like i think i played it i'm pretty sure i've played it a little bit before because i think my friend got it for xbox when he got his xbox back in the day um that or i was contemplating like maybe another gamecube game but i kind of didn't want to do two in a row um you know i guess other rpgs may have crossed my mind but i really felt like after i enjoyed sea of stars so much and having known about bug fables being like a really well received game in a genre that i love i was like you know what i might as well just give that a shot because that's one i've always been wanting to play so and that's kind of the spirit of the new games resolution yeah i mean it makes sense you know another one that i, I didn't bring up was uh lunar silver star story okay yeah, uh, that's one that i big lunar boxes on your shelf yeah and like that's one as well i mean i i could go ahead and play those this year as well um we'll just have to see how things kind of pan out given that I might be RPG'd out, right? Tales of Symphonia, getting that done. And then, of course, starting up on um, How long's Alundra. Alundra. What's that? How long's Alundra? Like 30 hours, 30 okay. or 40 hours. Yeah. So we'll see. I know like Tales of Symphonia is like 40 hours to play. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we're talking 
a lot of RPG with a dad that gets tired. Yeah. At like 9 30, 10 o'clock at night. So, I mean, it's usually about an hour of gameplay and then it's like, oh, God, I'm done type of thing. So, and it's not like I play every day, right? New TV shows come out. My wife and I will watch hockey or something and we're watching that until whatever time. And then I just don't game. Um, magic nights that I go out and play magic or I'm messing with magic cards through podcast editing. There's just a lot of things going on. So it's not like every day I'm able to game as much as I used to. Yeah. Um, and when I am, I'm falling asleep. Right. So it's kind of tough to jump in those RPGs, which is one of the reasons that, that I chose another RPG. You know, it's they're games that I don't, I'm, I've been trying to beat quicker games and play games with my wife that we're just going to get done faster and enjoy. Right. And so something that I can just kind of dedicate time to and know like this is a game that I have to finish by the end of the year is always positive. And so to be able to knock out those RPGs that I picked up over the years and make it make sense that I bought them. This yeah. is the way to do it, obviously. And of course, if there's another one, like if I finish Alundra here, you know, in the first three months of the year, I might be like, hey, additional resolution. I'm going to play this one and we'll see how that goes. Well, I mean, at that point, you're just playing a game. I am, but it'll it'll kind of get me into like that mode of like I need to get this done by the end of the year type of thing. Okay, gotcha. so we'll see. I might double down. I didn't do it when a uh, Shenmue was a thing for me, um, and that that did cross my mind too. By the way, Shenmue did. Oh, Shenmue really? two. Shenmue two. Playing Shenmue two. Go back for more. It it crossed my mind. I'm like, man, I kind of have to revisit this. So I, that's the issue when you have so many games. Is it's that wall effect right you just you have all of this presented in front of you and there's so much that you want to try out so much that you want to play but there's only so much time in the day to do it yeah like i so. mean percentage wise what do you think you've got like two percent three percent of the games you own that you've beaten no i've beaten a lot more than that really i mean there's a lot of games up there that i you got thousands of games i have like two thousand games is that it something like that yeah so oh. i mean well, you've yeah. definitely beaten hundreds of games. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. like, it's not like I've, you know, I mean, if you consider Final Fantasy games and, um, you know, games like Uncharted and Tomb Raider and stuff like that. I mean, there's been years where I finish up like since we've been doing this podcast where I finish up 10 or 15 games a year, or sometimes 20. So, I mean, that in itself would be 5%, not including the stuff I've beaten over the years, you know? Like that's the just, other thing too is like revisiting games like uh yeah and i try to avoid that i mean I since we've been to... recording i beat donkey kong country one two and three again right and i've beat those games like four or five times in the past yeah but i mean those probably don't even take you that long i mean they take you at least like six seven hours of gameplay time at minimum yeah but i mean for you like you're just running through the ropes like you already know how to do it all yeah I know. it's just but... like for fun yeah, I know. That's kind of how it is with platformers. But yeah, so, I mean, I, I've probably, I don't know, I'd say maybe 15% of my games I've beat. But it doesn't help that I pick more up, right? I probably pick yeah. more up than I beat, so. Yeah, at a at an out, <laughs> way yeah. outpacing rate. Yeah, pretty much. That's why I've been doing more magic cards, because at least <laughs> with magic cards, there's no, like, I have to play this. You know, yeah. it's like, no, I can I can play this casually. I can play it competitively. Um I guess one other thing to get into for new games, not new games resolution, just discussion topic wise is I've decided to go through a lot of my older foils and stuff that I have and start offloading like older card foils, like retro style foils. So I've got stuff from Apocalypse and Time Spiral and Mercadia Masks and stuff, things that are like 
60 to $50 for a foil version of a card that the card is worth maybe a dollar or 50 cents, like non-foil. The goal being to sell those high-end foils to then get cards off a like to reserve list. Mm -hmm. So picking up like my Tigas and, you know, my Lion's Eye Diamonds and things like that, like commander type cards. Something that's worth having more so. Yeah, things that I, I know that they're not supposed to be reprinting down the road. Because the issue that I found is that when I've picked up play sets and cards of things that are higher, like in the past, I picked up Force of Wills, for example. At the time, they were like 70, 80 bucks a piece when I bought them. I think they're like 45, 50 now because they reprinted it several times. Right. So if I can find things that haven't that can't be reprinted um, and just offload a lot of those foil cards that are not worth, you know, me keeping, uh, then that's probably the best way to go right like why why keep foils of cards that you're a not going to play or b you have non-foil versions of and just go for the cards that are going to give you more impact in your game and ability to expand out to different things so yeah i hate that i'm going to dive into commander but i don't have much of a choice because standard is kind of hit a, a roadblock out by me mm-hmm. uh and that not as like there's people playing it but it's not a ton of people playing it and there's more people playing commander and that's just unfortunate i think that's everywhere yeah, and and, that's a, and it's just such an expensive format. Like people say, oh, it's not that expensive because you only have to get one card of each. Yeah, well, if you want to be competitive in Commander, your deck has to be a few thousand dollars, it seems, to even be competitive. Like at that point, I might as well play Legacy, but nobody plays Legacy because they say it's cost prohibitive. To me, it doesn't make sense. Like, For me, the thing with Commander is just like so long. Yeah, that too. Like, so I long. I like the ability to play standard games where I can just it's thirty minutes, thirty minutes, thirty minutes versus a commander pod. I mean, they're starting at like six o'clock and going to like eleven at some of these places. Like, I just don't want to sit in a pod for that long. Yeah. You know, like we we did uh c- the commander Boulder's Gate release, and my pod took three hours to play one round. Yeah. Like that's absurd. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I, I just that's why I like just doing limited too, because it's just like forty card decks are so like fun and easy to do quickly. Yeah. So I, I don't uh, I don't know. If Commander becomes a thing where like that's just what I have to play, I mean I might just stick to playing competitive on arenas at that point, but yeah. Um even then I'm not a big fan of playing on arenas. It might just be a go find a shop that supports the format that I want to play and just play there. Well, and I mean, we'll do, we can always do draft whenever we feel like doing that and get whatever we feel like doing that with. Like we had a fun time doing like just a crazy draft, a a chaos draft a couple of weeks ago. I think we already talked about that on the podcast. Yeah, I I think uh, we did. I just went through this last week too, and I finished alphabetizing all of my cards and going through and getting rid of everything that I have more than a play set of, like across like multiple you know sets and stuff mm-hmm. so i've got a little box that i'll bring you of just all my junk doubles that i don't need and nice. like i've got a couple rares that i had more than four of and i've got some of those caves and stuff for you okay cool yeah it should be fun um to go through and that's something i'm gonna be doing again here pretty soon is going through all of my older magic cards and like you said right kind of removing full play sets and all of that. So whatever you bring me, I'll just be doing kind of the same thing, right? Whatever I mean, for I've the got. most part, it's going to be stuff that you're probably already going to mostly have, I'm sure. But who knows? I mean, there Never might know. be a couple uncommons or something you don't have. Yeah, I don't have a ton of the uh, new stuff. 
especially the newest set. I definitely don't have extras of that. So I mean, I don't really either, because like, I mean, th everything that I have multiples of is from like, you know, a year or more ago, because anymore I just get like I do a draft or I yeah. go to the pre-release and that's all the cards I get for that set. Like I'm not going out and buying like a box or anything anymore. Yeah. Actually, it reminds me, Thomas and I are going to be splitting another box here pretty soon because uh, the Shieldred that we pulled got sold. So we're putting that $60 profit that we made towards an additional box of something else. So probably going to get the uh, the Phyrexia set that came out and uh, and split that and see, uh, see what we're able to pull. Okay. So, yeah. So I'll probably keep three packs from that to do a draft. There you go. Chaos draft. So it should be good. Cool. All right, well, let's uh, dive into some articles. All so. right, so this week, Bethesda finds itself on the naughty list here at the end of the year, and then you bet that these uh, these new flashcard makers for the Switch, they're definitely on some kind of Switch uh, list Nintendo has sitting around in a drawer, too, I'm sure. But we'll get <laughs> into both of those today. And so first thing here is Steam users gave Starfield a lump of coal for Christmas. And this is uh, Claire Jackson Ekotaku. So basically on Steam, people have been giving Starfield a thumbs down to the point where it's pretty much negative. Yeah, on the reviews pushed for the game. into the mostly negative territory. And I mean, who would have thought that this would be coming? I mean, I think that everybody kind of on the outset had pretty positive expectations for what Bethesda was going to do. I mean, it's been a long time since anybody really felt like they hit it out of the park. But I mean, as much as people have gripes about Fallout 4 and stuff, I mean, it wasn't what has happened with Starfield. And I think the pushback against it has just kind of been so one-sided now that the dust has kind of settled and people have played through it and just realized that, you know what? It's a fine enough game, but it's just not what we want from Bethesda. I mean, but that's what Bethesda does, right? Like, that's a Bethesda game at the end of the day. Like, you've got your Elder Scrolls game, your Fallout, and now your Starfield with the overall same general well, there's a, concept. Yeah, but the biggest disconnect is just like, I mean, obviously some of the issues are the fact that yes, it is very much the same thing again. And we're kind of wanting them to push themselves to move forward, to have like a more, I don't know, next level feel to their game, you know, make it not just feel like we're playing the same thing again and again, but I mean, the huge disconnect between having all of these worlds, but everything is between a loading screen and playing Skyrim where you just like go out and walk around or Fallout, you just go out and walk around. It's like you can go out and walk around to nowhere, have fun, do it a million times. Uh, but that's that's the game at that point. Like the fact that you can't go from location to location in a seamless walk, like that's what I want from a Bethesda game. And this has every Bethesda thing except for that part. Yeah, I mean, when Starfield first was announced and kind of saw some gameplay, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I definitely said it. It was, to me, it's Fallout in space, yeah. right? Or it's Elder Scrolls in space. It's same concept that they've had for years, just recycled in a different skin. 
And yeah, there's going to be different things that are added to it. I mean, you got your little bit of space travel. You've got your horses you can ride in Skyrim. You've got, you know, different things that you could do within Fallout as well um, within that world. And I mean, I get it. They all have their own like unique little things to it. But at the end of the day, it is a reskinned game almost. And, you know, like you said, people want more out of this and they're not getting more out of what Bethesda is capable of doing. Uh, so it makes sense that they're giving it the thumbs down is not maybe, you know, a thumbs down to the game being bad necessarily. It's more of a protest to do better Bethesda. And that's yeah. kind of what I get from it because people do enjoy Starfield that I've talked with. You enjoyed it. You know, I've talked to other people that have enjoyed it. So it's not like it's a terrible game. It's just people want more. Yeah, and that's I've... OK at the end of the day. But um, I, I hope these reviews kind of impress upon them that they they need to do more with what they're doing now the the negative though is that you look at things like ubisoft right and their continual releases of assassin's creed games that have literally again been reskins of every single assassin's creed prior with different spins on it but at least they're at least that's what you expect right like okay it's assassin's creed i know what to expect of assassin's well, it's creed all assassin's creed yeah exactly it's not it's, trying to be three different things exactly it's not so like people right. talk like people shit on Assassin's Creed and I've done it too, but at least there's consistency knowing that like this is what I've come to expect of an Assassin's Creed game. If there's never Ubisoft game that comes out, it's likely different and doesn't take on the same exact elements of Assassin's Creed. The same for, you know, any other game like Madden, right? Yeah, it's a reskin, but that's what you come to expect with a Madden game. Yeah. With Bethesda, it's now that's what we've come to expect with Bethesda. Not necessarily that's what we've come to expect with fallout this franchise specifically exactly so like it is a little different when you kind of considered it in that manner yeah i I like some of these uh comments that they call out in the article here um one of the top ones is just buy cyberpunk (laughs) you know that's kind of funny yeah that's another game like i am dying to play cyberpunk especially now that like the new expansion is out for it like that's a game that I really want to play, but uh, I'm at an impasse right now because like still the only game that I've purchased for Xbox is um, Elden Ring. Everything else that I played on there has just been on game pass, but Hmm. like cyberpunk has been one of those games that's really tempted me. And I just know that if it's a game, I'm only going to play once. I think I'd rather wait till I have a PS five and I can play it with like full ray tracing and everything instead of on my series X cause or series S cause like, it's just not going to be able to put out the same visuals that that game is capable of. Yeah. Um, I do want to play uh, cyberpunk as well. I'm probably going to get on PC and now that I've got, you know, a better GPU and, and all of that good stuff going for me uh, and better monitors all of that stuff. It should be a different experience for me to play it, you know, here at the house than, um, or here on my PC setup than it would on like console anyways. So it's on my list as well, but not something that's like on my immediate list. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right. Diving into our next thing here is the world's first flash card for Nintendo switch has been unveiled. And this is, uh, all, is it all of all of Is that how you say it? I'm not sure. Okay. It well, looks it's... like Oliver Glagulski. I'm sorry there's, about that. There's a T in there. It's so, at uh, ist.age. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's yeah, it's there's a whole lot of like what's going on here. I don't even know how I found this. Um, so it just dude, some of the things that hit my feed in like well, really our feed and Twitter and Facebook. Um, I don't know. I just pull random things that come up. But basically, uh, there is a Switch cart that has been or a Nintendo Switch cart that's been unveiled that can hold multiple games. Uh, is compatible with the Switch and is essentially uh, you know able to go around the current firmware. Uh, mm-hmm. that they have in place. And so, you know, I'm going to quickly, I'll go to the very end of this article. They basically give the runner up questions, right? Like, what do you need to know here? So, so they're showcasing a switch gaming systems capable of supporting multiple games and utilizes a micro SD card for storage. Uh, it is a flash card. It's expected to have a soft launch in 2024 for almost like beta testing, essentially. So limited units are going to be released. Um, nobody has confirmed the legitimacy at this time. So, uh, it's probably something that's being kept hush hush for valid reasons, uh, because there would be concerns of piracy and how does Nintendo combat that form of piracy, right? Uh, so there are similarities between this flash cart and previous carts that were done for VDS and 3DS. So I don't know if you have one of those, but I know other I've people. I've got a one for Game Boy Advance. Not yeah. For so you've got a Game Boy Advance one, but I know people that have like the 501 3DS games cart, yeah. right? And those get sold on Amazon all the time. I don't know how that's even legal. Um, and then there's also the question here of like, how is Nintendo going to deal with this, right? What kind of methods do they have to, the imp- to impede the sale and usage of these unauthorized type devices? I, this has always been a gray area, right? Because you're technically developing a flash cart and the, the actual flash cart itself is not illegal. It's the items that are put onto the flash cart and the methodology that is used to get items on that flash cart, right? Yeah. And the downloading. So I don't think there's anything Nintendo could necessarily do to stop the flash cart from being developed and put in the market. But what are they going to do to stop things like piracy on the Nintendo Switch? And I think that's the key question that needs to be asked here. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for Nintendo, this is one of those things where, you know, the original switch that they made had a hardware defect where it was very easy to get around um, the restrictions that they built into it and be able to like dump ROMs and go through the back door and, you know, sideload programs and things like that. Then they made a, you know, a firm hardware fix. And now like I got a friend who's trying to uh, do this to his switch. Now, I mean, if you want to crack it, I mean, you've basically got to open it up and install like a new chip into the switch itself. And you have to like flash all the stuff onto that chip first. And I mean, it's, it's a way more intensive process. Now with this just going in, you know, and it just plays like a regular game. Nintendo won't be able to do anything to update their system to work around that because it just reads like any other game. Now, if they can find some way to like suspend your account or, you know, delegitimize like your not having ownership of it in some way, like, you know, that could be something, but I mean, that would be something that they would have to figure out how to like make that traceable to you. It's not something they can just like, set out an update and then it stops well and i mean they really can't right because like you could technically play your switch on offline and just have updates that are on whatever's been flashed onto this flash cart and that's it by the way it's a oliver glagolski is the name you had a t in there so that's why it looked kind of weird um on this article but um yeah i mean 
I don't know. I don't think Nintendo can do much. I mean, they haven't been able to do it in the past. I don't see why it's changing now and technology has been enhanced to so many different levels compared to what it was even like just a few years ago. Um, they couldn't do anything on the 3DS. They can do anything for the DS. Can't do anything in today's society to try and figure out things for retro games. I, I just don't see this being any different. And I think a lot of this has to do with the fact of just, you know, it's cheap. At the end of the day, it's cheap hardware. You know, they always take a step back in terms of technology, making it probably easier for hackers to crack their stuff. Whereas, yeah, you see things on like Xbox and Playstations and all down the road, but it doesn't seem as like, I don't know, it's not as obvious or it's not as newsworthy. Like there's not a whole lot in the news that I ever see for those consoles in comparison to Nintendo, right? So, and if you go on local, uh, you know, like local Facebook pages for consoles for sale and stuff like that, you don't normally see like, hey, I'm going to sell you this hacked Xbox 360 or this hacked PlayStation 3 that you can play our games on. It's always, hey, I'm selling a hacked Nintendo Wii. I'm selling a hacked Nintendo Wii U or a hacked Nintendo Switch. Like it's always Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo. Is that a matter of like, people just prefer Nintendo games and they just want a ton of those games? Or is it a matter of it's just easier? And I think it goes back to it's just easier. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that there's people out there that like do cracks and stuff on their Xbox and Playstations. I've never really looked into it, I guess. I think it's a lot more difficult. I mean, like if if you had the choice between cracking like... I mean, I guess I've done my Vita. Yeah. I mean, it like, was basically the same as any other device that I've done. I mean, yeah. they're, they're all like somewhat... I mean, I, I can't get into the hard <laughs> like actual doing of it i show up once they have like a click button installation program that works yeah, yeah i mean we know like with the playstation plus class or the playstation classic and the ps2 was hacked years ago i mean there's easy hacks around that like there's tons of things you can do with a lot of those consoles but i just i don't really see any news about like you know maybe it's because i'm not searching for it because i don't care to search for it but well, like also nobody's had physical I mean, like in this case, like specifically for like a flashcard or something, I mean, nobody else has really used physical media like this. Everybody else has used disk-based media for so long. There hasn't really been this type of market for those devices. Yeah, that's another part of it, too, which goes back to the ease of it, right? Mm -hmm. Nintendo is making it easier to do certain things with their consoles illegally, and then they bitch about it you know with piracy it's well, like well keep doing the nintendo thing nintendo and hopefully they make this next console backwards compatible and this flash cart works on that one too <laughs> we can start you know next what? generation off strong they probably would to be honest um so yeah all right well that, that's it for our articles this week um don't sue us nintendo and let's look at some quake 64 so I don't see a plot on here synopsis. So I don't know if you pulled that or not, or if uh, I'll just kind of like talk a little bit. I mean, it doesn't really have much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I played Quake 64. You played, I'm assuming Quake 64, but on the Xbox. I mean, it just Quake. Okay. Yeah. I mean, mine's Quake technically. So ID Software originally Midway 64 uh, is a developer. Uh, it was published by GT Interactive. It was designed by John Romero, uh, American McGee, Sandy Peterson, and Tim willets on here was released in march of 1998 on the nintendo 64 uh, my copy at least uh it is a first person shooter of perception of a seven to nine out of ten kind of depending on which which system and release you're looking at but basically uh 
id software you know creators of doom and wolfenstein and those great classic shooters quakes was one of their um kind of next titles really pushing forward you know like 3d graphics and at the time it was like the most amazing thing anybody had ever seen and it was all coming from these guys but yeah so you are um like a marine and you are trying to stop the invasion of earth from codename quake uh, the bad guy and it's kind of never really identified i guess like at some times quake seems like a person a place or a thing depending on the context and what game they're referring to um again i will plug noah caldwell gervais great video it's like hours long i love it and it'll tell you everything you could ever want to know about quake but i mean this is about picking up guns shooting monsters moving fast and dying a lot to to traps and cheaply made you know uh encounters i really have been digging this game though i've been playing it most of the week uh, i'm already most of the way through i'm in like the last world so i played probably a bunch more than you did at this point john what did you think uh i played through what is like four or five levels of a game um so let me start by saying I played on a Brawler 64 controller, so it did feel a lot better than most first-person shooters that I would play on this console. Yeah. Uh, I did play, a, you know, the original N64, so all original hardware on that outside of the controller. I will say it was fast-paced graphically. I liked it, actually. It was pretty good for me. Um, I didn't have any hard time, like, seeing what the heck was going on screen. Didn't have a hard time picking things up. Uh, once I got used to, like, what was jump, what was switch weapons, all of that felt pretty natural. Um, I will say camera angles and trying to move, like having to use the, uh, you know, the joystick to kind of move side to side and whatnot, or, you know, kind of move forward and all that. And then using the yellow C buttons to be able to kind of strafe and all of that was a little difficult at first, but I got used to it. The speed is definitely something you got to get used to. Like yeah, if you're not used to fast, fast pace running through, it can be kind of difficult to, in my opinion, line up your shots correctly. I kind of wish it was a little slower in that regard. Um, but I get it. I get why they did it. So there are a lot of cool weapons. You start off with a hatchet and a shotgun. You can pick up a double barrel shotgun. You pick up a nail gun. You pick up a grenade launcher over time. Uh, there's, at least in the difficulty, I played plentiful amounts of health and armor and um, shotgun shells and everything else. You pick up shotgun shells from enemies that you face. Uh, came across things like zombies and ogres and other secrets. creatures what's that lots of secrets in these old shooters you know yeah. around blasting walls like finding mm -hmm. like hidden cryptic things and stuff yeah there was at one point i came across a secret area that led me to an armor that was like a uh, 150 or something yeah um you know power that could be taken off of it um uh, you know i thought overall like i i liked it you know i didn't think it was a terrible game i enjoyed it more than some of the other first person shooters i've played on this console um so yeah I, I was a pretty big fan i will say that from a sound standpoint the like eerie music that it has kind of in the backgrounds was actually pretty badass i don't know if it's the same on like the version you know it's probably much different because in the original one uh trent reznor did the soundtrack but i'm sure that that's probably something that they had to 
tone down and make accommodations for for the n64 version so yeah on the soundtrack i was listening to it was you know i'm not gonna go into like crazy details on who did it and whatnot but it was just like this very subtle like eerie sound in the background like in what i was playing right it, it wasn't like overbearing it was more like ambiance for what you were playing mm -hmm. and I, I really liked that actually um you know and then you can hear the different monsters approaching you it was very easy to kind of say oh there's something behind me or there's something to my right like you knew something was happening mm -hmm. versus the music is too much and then you kind of look around and all of a sudden there's something killing you because you don't know um so i thought that was pretty good yeah and then um uh, is is so the giant like thing that jumps out and pounces on you and all of that what the hell was that like i dude i just kind of just another monster okay i thought Those it was like something vicious and they're all over the place they're the worst yeah they make they... every encounter feel cheap there's this one level where it's like you get to the very end of the level and you're on a bridge and then one spawns on either side of you and they rush in and kill you i had to redo that level so many times and like i was even i even had on my version like quick save and quick load like yeah it made it like way better to like not have to restart a level over completely every time i died but it was it, it's a tough game it's a tough yeah. shooter i will say it was pretty tough in in even like the difficulty i played um i think i died once you know but it was i could see where it would be pretty difficult at like mm -hmm. higher difficulty uh levels um i would imagine just because the enemies probably take more bullets than they're supposed to on easier difficulties so yeah but overall I, I think if i were to give it a rating i would agree with this like you know seven to nine out of ten you know it probably has its seven moments but you know it's also got its nine moments as well yeah sometimes so, like when you're in a room and like you're just like getting down to like the last little bit of your ammo or like you completely are able to like do a level like real swiftly if you've died a few times and like you can like hit that like quad damage and then clear a whole room and move on to the next one like sometimes it really lights up and it's like still feels very good and something that you want to play despite it being you know one of the earliest in its genre like how remarkably well it holds up it's got that same factor that like mario will always have you know some of these early titles just nailed that feeling so well that games are still trying to chase feeling as good as they do now yeah yeah i agree so uh so yeah i was gonna i think i was about to say the same thing you facts. are yep so <laughs> complete in box copy is going to run you 49.99 it peaked at 77.09 in june of 2022 it is slightly up at this point uh from you know trending wise is slightly up uh loose it's running at 1934 uh peaked at 28.25 in september of 2021 it is also trending a little bit up digital console so playstation network and xbox you can find it for three dollars 29 cents um for a sale on there or it's on game pass mm. uh and then digital so pc uh 329 as well on steam it's 67 percent off it's regular 9.99 rate i would say um depends on what you're looking to do if you're looking to play on original hardware for n64 19 bucks doesn't seem like a bad deal you know considering it's physical media so i would say that the pricing is just right on that i think if you're looking at it from a digital perspective uh 329 right now um is definitely a steal i think ten dollars again is probably just right on a title of this nature 
Yeah, I mean, for, you know, an N64 game, 20 bucks, I think most N64 cartridge games, like getting that for 20 bucks, <coughs> I mean, that's a pretty good deal and probably will always feel like a pretty good deal. You know, here's a Sawbuck, here's an actual physical N64 game that I can have forever. And I mean, it's probably not the best version of Doom. So, I mean, if you really just want to or doom quake quake it's probably not the best version of quake but i mean you could probably want quake on just about anything so i mean you could just pick up the pc version and and play it on pretty much anything you own i mean that game is so old now and what it was built on i'm sure you could run it well that's why you think doom right i mean it it definitely feels like doom to an extent like pretty much feels like doom right yeah. it's like a doom clone uh but can it play on a uh, pregnancy test we're not sure somebody out there will have to tell us <laughs> uh, so uh but yeah so let's put just right for this one uh to open up the new year with quake all right well and then next week we'll be in person yeah so provided nobody has sicknesses again in my household and uh, we got ours able... out of the way this week yeah we got ours out of the way two weeks ago so we're due uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but I think regardless, we'll, we'll play next week and we'll find a game that we both want to enjoy. Go from there. Sounds good. Right. Well, this has been episode 267 of the Game Flares podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. <laughs>